And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gans along with Mike Miller, and we have Pastor Edward Smith with us. And we are going to be continuing our series of Proverbs, looking at chapter 20, verses 16 through 30. And we are on episode number 550. I, I, I think every time we say this throughout the weeks when we, we have these shows and we put out that episode number, it still amazes me how many episodes we've have uh, on G220 Radio out there. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing, right? And and I think about this because one of the things me and Mike have talked about is wanting to leave a legacy for our children. Whether we have a lot of viewers, whether we have a lot of people that tune in or follow the show, or even later on, maybe uh, hear something or follow an episode and then get plugged in. We know our children is going to be able as they grow, Lord willing, the technology still allows it, you know, uh, to go back and listen to the things we believed and we held to. And as we live out our faith uh, and talk about the things from uh, the Bible in, in living out that faith. And so uh, we are here today to do that again in leaving this legacy, talking about the book of Proverbs. Uh, Mike, what's going on, brother? Not much. Excited. I have notes this time for Proverbs. So hopefully I'll keep my comments down to very little and we can actually end on time because we know it's not going to happen. And I see there echoes in the chat. We just, I just mentioned you just before the show started. So yeah, talking about some Hebrew Israelites, which we're not going to be talking about tonight. Yeah. And Mike, neither Mike nor I are pastors in churches. Um, while we may serve in our churches, teach in our churches, we're not pastors in our churches, but we do have pastor Edward Smith. And so we're definitely not going to make an hour because when you have a pastor on the show, you know, they once they get going in the preaching and the pulpit, you know. You, you <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Edward, we, we thank you for coming on the show. Maybe tell a little bit about uh, yourself. I know you are a pastor of the church up there in Flint, Michigan. Uh, let the uh, listeners know about uh, that and a little bit about yourself and maybe whatever you've got going on up there. All right. So the, briefly, um I am um, one of the, the pastor elders here at New Community Baptist Church. Uh, I've been serving New Community now for uh, almost well, November. November, the first Sunday of November will actually be two years that I came back and, and uh, took over leadership as pastor here at New Community Baptist Church uh, in the city of Flint. Uh, also, brothers, I want to thank you all for uh, allowing me to come on your platform and to share and to walk through the word together. Uh, I'm married uh, to my wonderful wife for 22 years, uh, got six children and almost seven grandchildren. Mm. Uh, so God has been good and gracious to us. Uh, New Community is a small fellowship here in the city of Flint, uh, but we're active. Uh, our heart's intention and focus is on discipleship. Uh, it is on us being good stewards of the resources that God has gave us. It is about us living out a devoted life unto Christ before other people. And it's about us just simply uh, trying to win the loss for Christ. And uh, so we, we attempt to do that uh, in every way that God will give us. Um, as far as things is going on, oh, uh, immediately coming up, we're celebrating 30 years at the end of the month, 30 years of New Community's existence. Mm. And so we'll be celebrating that at the end of this month. And uh, other than also the contenders for the Faith Conference down in Detroit, 
Uh, we're just trying to do what the Lord called us to do right here in the city of Flint. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord for that. We will definitely get the link for the Contenders of Faith uh, conference that's going to be there in Detroit, and we'll put that up on the G220 radio page uh, so you can check that out. And if you're ever in Flint, Michigan, make your way up Appreciate there. It. If you're there on a on a, on a a Sunday, on the Lord's Day, and you're looking for a church, go jump, go in there to New Community Baptist Church and uh, uh, fellowship and, and worship with our brother here. All right, so getting into this, because uh, as we talked about, time does go quickly. And we've got about 15 verses, which you think about 15 verses, yeah, we could do that. But as you saw last week, if you did tune in, um, we couldn't. So, and we haven't, you know, with uh, this series, it's been hard. That's why we've been breaking it up. I think we tried in the beginning to do a whole chapter in one day. It yeah. just, it was not working. So we've been, it's hard to do down. it by myself in yeah. one hour. Yeah. It's, it's difficult because there's so much. And we've talked about this from, <laughs> from the book of Proverbs, right? That, there, this is wisdom literature, and this is how we can apply these things to our lives, uh, in our day-to-day -day lives, and living it out before the Lord. Uh, it, it's it's helpful for us. Um, we mentioned in the past reading a proverb a day. You know, read other stuff in the scriptures, of course, study the word. But if you read a proverb a day, thirty-one uh, proverbs, and if you read one every day of the month, you'd be taking in that wisdom. Any thought on um, the book of Proverbs? No, man, I think you got it covered. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to get into it. Yeah. Yeah, we got a little bit of a yeah, delay. Kind of so lost we'll, you a little bit, but yeah. Well, I was just asking if there was any any thoughts you would you would give to the people listening about the book of Proverbs and getting into it. Oh, for well, I, I just give one nugget. Uh one nugget, one reason why I I really do love the book of Proverbs, even though it's not theological per se, uh, but it's a book really on practical wisdom that spans all boundaries, all cultures. Uh, this wisdom, if adhered to, would truly bless the life of those who profess to be, be Christ, because God is going to honor all this wisdom we're about to talk about in this chapter, God will honor this wisdom. And so for, for that reason alone, we need to be applying it to our life. Yeah. Amen. All right. Now, this first verse here in Proverbs uh, chapter 20, verse 16, not the first verse, but the 16th verse, where we're starting tonight, it says, take a man's garment. And we, we read from the ESV, but I do have other translations here in front of me. Um, take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for foreigners. Now, when I read that in the ESV, like I'm reading that and, and honestly, I get a little confused with that. When I look at the King James where it says, um, take his garment that it is, that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. So you have this, it seems kind of like it's something saying something different as far as the woman being added in there for this foreigner. But there is a note in the ESV that says it can also mean adulterous, uh, you know, an adulteress. So the way I'm kind of reading this, and maybe you guys can help me out, is the first part of this is, hey, if somebody's going to um, put up some security for a stranger, um, this is someone that, that's your neighbor or, or somebody that that's, well, a stranger, let's just say that, 
and you're putting up some security for him, you take this man's garment, but this is not the same as the taking the pledge of the second one for a foreigner. This is somebody making, making a unwise decision and they're not trustworthy. So you want to take that pledge. It's, it's kind of a little hard for me when I'm reading this, maybe you guys can work that one out for me. Yeah. So I think you're on the right trail of thoughts. I do think it foreigner is the translation, at least in the Hebrew, um, the adulterous woman seems to come from the identical statement later on in Proverbs. So we'll get to that. Um, and it's kind of put into this, but I think it is foreigners. And I kind of to boil it down, I think what this proverb is saying is be wise in who you do business with, who you take it up. And if it's someone who is unwise in their business dealings, make sure you have some sort of collateral for it because they're, they're giving up collateral for strangers, people they don't know, someone who's outside of their country, a foreigner who, who maybe has come in and will leave and never be able to pay back. That's kind of the idea is they don't know this person and they're putting money up for this person, but they have no way to get that money back. So if you're dealing with them, make sure you have kind of a collateral that you make or even just making sound judgment on who you are helping with if it kind of deals with it. And part of this to kind of help illustrate this in Exodus 22, 25 to 27, there's actually a law about um, unnecessarily taking pe poor people's clothes that they don't have something to sleep in. This proverb isn't dealing with that law. Instead, it's talking about the wisdom that we should have in just financial dealings, whether it's with a business or as yourself, be wise with the money and don't carelessly give money to people you don't know who may not be able to repay you back kind of in a, in a, a like a loan type deal. Anything you would add there, Absolutely. Pastor? Um, yeah, I, I would add, um, coming in behind everything that y'all said, and, and you can call me Ed too. Uh, I'll be good with Ed, since you know, since calling y'all Mike and 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 uh, Ricky. So, but yeah, so Ed. But what, one of the things I see in this particular text, uh, because y'all addressing two things at the same time, um. This word of wisdom is actually giving heed and warning to believers that naturally everybody is dishonest, you know, uh, us. And I know we, we will follow along the same theological uh, strain of natural dep uh, total depravity, but people are naturally dishonest. And, and so it's given us this warning that we ought to take this security or get this collateral because people like, like uh, Mike was saying, foreigners or people that you don't know you just shouldn't outright trust them if they haven't laid down any foundation to show you that you're that they they are trustworthy and so therefore we we, we have to put these things in place because people are naturally dishonest and you know i i saw that ricky about the 
the way the King James translated. And I, I think it might be because that particular word foreigner uh, talks about the, uh, the seductress, a person who seduces. And mm -hmm. earlier in Proverbs, it talks about be careful of the woman, you know, her cunning eye, you know, her long hair. So it gives you that image of a person who seduces. Uh, so maybe, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but maybe that's why the translators uh, in the King James used that particular wording uh, because they were following that, that same pattern within translating. But yeah, this gives us warning to be wise in our dealings, in our business matters, because people are naturally dishonest. Yeah, and, and that's it's good wisdom for us to take that in, even as we've we've mentioned here on the program. Obviously, believers, the 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 fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we look at this as believers. We look at the the application that we can get from the word of God, as well as the spiritual side of things where we see Christ in the scriptures. And we've we've talked about that even in Proverbs before in the past. But also the unbelievers, again, we've made this mention that if you if you just take this, if, if I'm telling this to my children, even though they're not believers, and I say to my oldest daughter, hey, don't just go give stuff to people like lending you money unless you get some type of collateral. It's it's still wisdom that can be applied because ultimately it's God's wisdom that we receive from the word of God. So it can be beneficial in that sense as well for the unbeliever. But ultimately, we know yeah. uh, we're speaking to the hearts of believers here. All right, verse uh, 17, it says, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. Full of gravel. Who wants to jump on that? I think you see... You know, I, 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 okay, go ahead, Mike. So yeah, I think kind of looking at it, I mean, just the picture. So bread gained is sweet to a man. It's deceitfully gained. So when he gets it, it tastes good. It feels good. There's this goodness associated with it. But like all sin, sin is deceptive. It tastes good. It seems good at first. But then afterwards, it tastes like Bitter here, gravel. You get this image of like eating dirt, rocks. That's something that's gonna destroy your teeth, destroy who you are. So I think this verse tells us that when we gain things deceitfully, sinfully, that we may at first be excited, maybe feel the joy of having this thing. But in the end, it will be the destruction, our destruction. Our, our souls will be calloused. It will lead us down the path to hell. And with and kind of warning us what sin does to us. Even as believers, though we have the spirit, if we keep giving into our sin, our hearts will be calloused. Now the spirit can break that callousness, can bring us back onto the path of righteousness. But the warning is against that, against going going against God's law, sinning against our fellow men and what we do. And so it kind of really kind of points to the fact that as Christians, we're called to holiness. We're called to live sinfully and that sin is deceitful. 
It always will seem good in the moment, but it will kill you in the end. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, Mike, I believe you're a truck driver, right? No, I'm not a truck driver. Okay, I, th I thought I heard you say you use a truck driver in one of the videos. But uh, I, I am a truck driver, so I, I deliver uh, pop and stuff for Dr. Pepper. And I was at Myers just yesterday and overhearing a couple of ladies' conversation and she, and thinking about this verse and hearing her conversation and how she concluded made me think of this particular verse. Because she basically said, long story short, why do that when it's just more fun to get into some trouble? That, that mm -hmm. and, and I am, um, I'm using the PC verbiage, uh, uh, Ricky, because I know you got you got a good show here. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> but she said, "Why? <laughs> yeah, it, it's more fun to get into trouble. That's the mindset and the thought of this particular." Uh, this particular proverb, be, because for some people, it's it's just more fun to, to get that food of fraud instead mm. of working honestly for it. Uh, it. It it tastes better in the beginning, but but the end of is this picture. When I read this particular text, I get this image that afterward, when itself is full of gravel. You, you gentlemen, when you were run, you, younger, we used to do a lot of running outside on the pavement. And parents would say, if you keep running, you're going to fall. And when you kept running, just like they said, you would end up falling and you would break out into that slide right on the pavement. And the end result mm -hmm. was always being scratched up, to be in pain, uh, to, to, to be hurting. And that's what this proverb is telling us, that to gain these things by the way of fraud, God knows and sees absolutely everything. So we are going to gain things by deceit and, and in the end be able to rejoice and to experience the blessings of it. That's why, um, as they say, uh, culturally, we say the wheels of justice turn slow but they turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've, we've, you see a lot of things repeat themselves in the Proverbs. Um, and, and I think we, we, we know that. Yes. Even in the new Testament, it says that if a man is not willing to work, he's not going to eat. Right. And so when you, when you are gaining stuff deceitfully, like, like you said there, and Mike, you were talking about uh, there, there may be this sweetness of, this is wonderful. I don't have to work. I can fraud. I can, you know, cheat these people out of money and I get this. But the end result, the end result is destruction because ultimately God is a just judge. And when that judgment does come, you will answer for it. I mean, sometimes I think we think, and even as believers, I think we think sometimes, why, oh Lord, why are these, these individuals who are cheating the system or who are being deceitful, why are they getting away with this? Where's the justice? But Christ will bring it in his time. Even if they get away with it here, 
they won't get away with it when they stand before a just judge. All right, so moving on to verse uh, 18, and we'll go to – go ahead. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I I just wanted to add because y'all talked about being able to leave a legacy with these types of programs. So those who come back and actually watch this later, one of the things that they can rest assured in is that there's always going to be evil people. There's always going to be somebody trying to defraud. There's always going to be somebody trying to do wrong. In life, there's always going to be Ponzi schemes, these pyramid schemes, get rich quick, all of these things done in order to get ahead or or to get over, if you will. All of these things, God, like you just said, God in the end is going to judge these things. So it is better for us to be righteous so that we we don't end up. That destruction that you talked just ago, and people hopefully know this, is that that picture that is encapsulated there about destruction, according to Proverbs chapter 9, these people who defraud and decept, their end is the depths of hell. It's, it's that ultimate final judgment that God will give all people, and we'll talk more about that later with another proverb, but us as believers, we can trust that God will provide and we don't have to go the way of the heathen, if you will, and be deceitful. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. So uh, verse 18 and, and uh, Ed, we're going to come back to you and there is a bit of a delay. So that's, we're trying to, um, it's not that we're, we don't want to make it seem that coming off route or interrupting is that there is a delay. And so for the listeners, uh, we're, we're kind of working through that. All right. So verse 18. So we will come back to you, Ed plans are established by counsel by wise guidance, wage war. All right. So, uh, looking at this particular proverb, uh, the writer is giving us wisdom to live by. He, he given us these words that if, if we as believers, actually enact finalize plans with counsel that's something that completely goes against the grain of our culture and society we think we can do this by ourselves we can get up on our own feet and on all these different cliches that we have here's a word of wisdom from god unto us and even though you know some of this wisdom is again cross-cultural but when we honor God blesses it. So finalize plans or set these plans in order uh, with counsel. It is wise that we would take heed to that. And I would lean upon the counsel and wisdom that come from the experiences and the walk that Ricky and Mike has had over their lifespan. I can gain wisdom. I can avoid pitfalls of life. We need God. God has made us within community, gentlemen, Mm -hmm. for the fact that we collectively are able to advance his purposes and his will in our life. And and think about this. um, Presidents, again, want to want to speak to the natural, then come back to they have generals that they are supposed to consult before they. You know, we ain't got to get into politics, <laughs> right? <laughs> but presidents have generals and advisors. Politicians 
have people that are supposed to uh, bring them information so that they can operate and make wise decisions concerning the people who they have authority over, who their decisions are going to affect. And mm-hmm. churches are supposed to be led by elders. And those elders are supposed to lead God's people. And so it's that counsel of wisdom and guidance that is a ultimate great benefit to the people of God. And, and, and so I'll, I'll leave it there and let you gentlemen chime in from there. Yeah, I think it's good that you brought that up, uh, you know, in the church with elders and having that counsel. Uh, just in this week, last past week, uh, teaching Sunday school, dealing with the church and going over some of the functions that happen within the church. I mentioned uh, how the way I see it, being a Baptist, I am congregational in my ecclesiology, but I see it as a checks and balances. Even when this country was founded and you have the, that's right, Baptist, all Baptists here. But um, yes, the the way the country was founded, now I'm not going <laughs> to say the country a, was a Christian nation, but it was founded on Christian principles. They used the Bible and then getting those checks and balances of those offices between the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch to keep there to have some balance and checks. And we even see that within the word of, or within the church, as you mentioned, where you have elders who are uh, ruling and 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 guiding and and shepherding the the people in their congregation, but there's also that check where if they get out of line and they become authoritarian or they're in sin, the congregation can then check them. And there's that counsel within that. Mike, anything you want to um, add with these verses as well? Yeah, I mean, you look at it's kind of a proverb with an example. What does it mean to have wise counsel counsel, and then apply it to waging war? You just don't wage war really nearly. Like, I'm just going to go attack these people. I mean, in one sense, we can see that happening kind of with the Russia-Ukraine. You know, we obviously don't know how much planning. This isn't a political show. But this or even, you know, the war on terror. What, and to when we think about when – we go to war, how much we consult. Do we, you just don't go to war and to do it and to, without kind of counting the costs as maybe to put some biblical language. And I think when we, we look at it, it's just, do we consult wise people as the Proverbs tells us to do other places in our lives to live in this life. God has given us a community. We've already talked about kind of this community of believers, of people who have lived in this, who've been walking the road of faith longer than we have. And we can come to them with our problems. We can come to God who graciously gives out wisdom. And even more so to think about even the political war situation, the fact that we are in a spiritual war and that we Mm. need the wisdom from God and the counsel of the triune God, the all wise one to help us to live in this world, to navigate the pitfalls that Satan and the culture and our flesh put before us. That's why Ephesians 6 ends with this idea of a prayer that we put on this armor of God, which we, as we discussed on the show we did on the armor of God, is God kind of 
it's kind of passive in one sense in which we are armed with God's armor, but it ends with this push for prayer, push for kind of how do we rule. And I think when we think about not only the plans, we need others in our life to help us to navigate this spiritual warfare that we live in day in and day out. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so our next verse here, uh, verse 19, says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. I think this is one of those, those verses that we know that gossip and slander is sinful, but yet um, it happens quite a bit. Even as Christians, we fall victim to it, or we... I shouldn't say we fall victim to it. We we get into it. Sometimes somebody comes to us with something and they start talking and you're listening and then you become part of that gossip or that slander, even though it wasn't your intention to get involved. And so this is the proverb telling us that whoever goes about slandering, these are this is a person that goes around revealing secrets of other people. And, and we see this sometimes with those trying to be pious. Um, I think within, uh, and I, I think we've used this example before, but you have your, your church prayer group and there's that one person that knows things that's going on with other people. And they say, Oh, pray for so-and-so they're going through this, or this is happening. Um, and it's not out of a heart of really caring for that individual. This is out of a heart of wanting to slander, wanting to gossip about someone. Uh, they're simple babblers. Now I'm not saying that's the case for all people, but I'm saying this is in the context of of way I've seen it in the past as well. But the scriptures speak strongly about those babblers, those uh, um, slanderers. It says in Leviticus 19, 16, it says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor for I am the Lord. First Timothy 5.13 says, besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not say. And so this is a strong warning uh, for us to, to consider and the effects of that, because no gossip, no liar, no slanderer, no adulterer, these, these are sins and we don't, we can't overlook them because we think it's not as prevalent as another sin or as bad as another sin. No, this is bad. This is just as bad. It's sinful and can lead you right to hell. Unless you're in Christ, you've been justified. And even when we do fall into that, we know that we can seek that forgiveness because he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us when we repent. Um, Ed, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, uh, I, I'll just add this. Um, and I want to try to merge. Uh, sometimes with Proverbs, you can't, put the two verses together because they, right. they might be on, on opposite ends of the spectrum. But in these two verses, I think we'll be wise. If, if we're going to glean any type of wisdom to live by from these verses, I think we need to merge these two together because um, we, we, we can't, and I'm trying to avoid talking about some Proverbs later <laughs> that we're going <laughs> to talk about. But um, when, when we are putting these plans together and we're trying to get sound guidance, we can't do it. And this almost goes to Psalm one, but we can't do it in the presence of these tail bearers or these busybodies or these gossips. Mm -hmm. We're never going to get wisdom for life or wisdom to live by if we are surrounding ourselves around people, as, as this text says, 
those who reveal secrets, these constant gossipers, avoid them. Now, I think that's where you get that idea, Ricky, that this is very strong language. Avoid mm -hmm. them, shun them, stay away from them. Now, that's the idea. It's literally putting up a wall and staying away from them. And, and, and so I think we really, really need to heed to that. <clears throat> and you brothers being from Ohio, uh, I believe the OJs was from Ohio. And they... They, the, the OJ on those songs. I don't know if y'all rocked at that type of music, but the OJ said, "I know the OJ about them backstabbers. They smile in your face. <laughs> they, they smile in your face. All they want to do is take your place. These backstabbers. Long before mm -hmm. the OJs made that song, Solomon is, is dropping this wisdom to us. Uh, mm -hmm. Avoid last thought, gentlemen. Think of this: the Spirit of God inspired this writer." so that we could be blessed and we need to heed this warning of avoiding them we we our culture wants to scoop we want the 401 we want to know what the latest is uh we got all these notifications on our phone because when something breaks on twitter or or or, or uh, breaking news we want the notification we uh, all that information is ultimately corrupting us and weakening in us because we got this overload of gossip and, and so we need to really guard ourselves and avoid all of this download from the culture in order for us to walk and live by the wisdom that god has provided for us in this scripture yeah and before before you jump in mike um that's a bit convicting to me right because you mentioning that now and i was listening to stuff at work on my phone, but I was listening to a podcast, Christian podcast, and they mentioned about the phone and how everything's right there at your fingertips. And like you said, you're taking in all this information and we can use it for good things, but sometimes even the things that we consider to be good are it's just taking in all this and we're missing out on the other things around us or the wise counsel of others because we're taking in all this counsel from the world, right? So, Mike. Yeah, just to point out, kind of adding to what you guys have said is that the admiration, the second part of this verse is that when you tell the simple babbler, they're going to tell others. Like there's just like kind oh, of yeah. this assumption that if you are foolish enough to tell the simple babbler, you're going to receive the gossip. And so that again, it challenges us to think about who our acquaintances are. Who are our friends? Who are we telling these things to? And also that we need, as we've seen earlier, this doesn't contradict the fact that we need close friends to be able to talk about them. We just need to make sure we, they're not the simpler babblers who will be going around and telling people our business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why we definitely need and, to. And, and, and Ricky. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say this little proverb, if you will, uh, from, from my daddy. He, he would say, be careful of the dog that brings your bone because he'll eventually pick yours and take them and share them with somebody else. Mm. So avoid them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely strong language. We need to to avoid uh, such such individuals. 
and be careful. Like I said, uh, when I started that, this verse to be careful, not to get caught up in it <clears throat> because it's easy. Somebody can just come up and start telling you something. And before you know it, you're part easy. of that gossip and slander. And you're like, how did I get into this? All right. So just stop. Don't tell anyone. Just stop yeah. it there. You're the last one. Yeah. Like you can't avoid that. Like, I don't think it's necessarily a sin if someone tells you gossip. It's how you respond to it. Do you mm -hmm. stop? Do you even stop them? Acknowledge it's like, hey, are you sure you're not gossiping here? Maybe do a little pushback. Right. But you can act responsibly. You can act upright. And even if you find yourself in it and it's too late, like you can just stop and not mm -hmm. continue the train. Yep. Did you have something to say it? Yeah, I, I would also challenge us as well that if these tail tail bearers and busybodies will bring us this gospel, what does that say about us? Mm. You know, I think we need to look at that because if they think that they can bring it to us and share it with us and talk to us about it, then that means that we haven't took the stand that we should have taken as sons and daughters of God. And, and so we need to be mindful of that as well. Uh, why are they bringing this information to me? And if, like Mike said, if I don't shut that down, then that means that they think that I am a talebearer and I am a gossiper, so they can come gossip with me. You know, when when they see me, they'll be like, I ain't going to tell him because I, I know what he's going to say or I know where he stands, so I'll just go and tell somebody else. I mm -hmm. think we need to examine ourselves to why the talebearer and the gossiper will come to us in the very first place as well. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's a good word there for us to consider and, and think about as we go throughout our lives. All right. We are in verse 20 and Ed, we'll start with you. It says, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Yeah. So this almost, and, um, you know, we were we was talking about the law. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the Israelites who are always talking about the law. But this this ought to take us back to uh, Mike mentioned Ephesians earlier. But we we talking here uh, the, the law of God, Ephesians five, honor your father and mother. No matter no matter how bad you believe that they are. No matter how bad you believe the decisions they made were, you must always honor and respect your parents. You know, um, because we have not walked in their shoes, I truly believe this, this word of wisdom is warning us, that word curse there, <clears throat> it, it, it ain't talking about using some of the four-letter verbiage that our culture uses today. But it's actually talking about whoever makes slight of your parents, whoever makes fun of them, or whoever speaks to them with contempt or in a vile manner. If you do that towards your parents, then, then this scripture is clear. His lamp would go out in dark darkness. And that image, if you will, of that lamp going out in darkness, the light being snuffed out of it. Mm -hmm. That is to give us the imagery that the life of that person can be removed. And God has all power in his hands. Uh, I believe it's Job who said that he gives life and he takes life away. And so let us be mindful that this wisdom 
um, that we honor our mothers and fathers no matter what. And then, and and I'll let you guys go, but there's a whole bunch of uh, scriptures we can make reference toward. And, and, and later, as y'all walk through Proverbs, there's one that says that the eye that mocks a father and despises a mother's instruction will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. Mm. I, I don't know how much harsher God can give us an image that you're going to be placed in a valley, your eyes going to be plucked out by ravens, and they're going to be eaten by vultures. That's what will happen to you. That's the judgment that will come upon you for cursing your parents. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Mike. So, I mean, you think about this. We've touched this topic already multiple times throughout because the Proverbs is littered with the idea of how parents are to react to their children and also how children are supposed to act to their parents here, not the Baptist catechism, but the Heidelberg catechism. Um, what does God require in the fifth commandment? Um, mm -hmm. Says that I should show all honor, love and fidelity to my father and mother and in all authority over me and submit myself to their good instruction and correction and with due obedience. And at this point, this is where they cite this proverb and also patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. I think it's an insightful in this catechism question that to we're to honor our mothers and our fathers because God has given them as our authority above us. And even in their weakness and infirmities, acknowledging that they're not perfect people. No mother, no father ever is. But it pleases God to govern us by their hands. That God has a purpose in it. So to, to curse your father or your mother, to, in one sense, to um, call down judgment on them shows a discontentment with what, what God deems as good, as what is pleasurable for us, what is best for us. I think this is really important, especially in light of our culture, where we downplay the importance of a family, mm -hmm. of a mother and a father. And that if we allow our children to not make honor of their parents. It has ramifications in which leads to death. That's why there's a promise. Honor your mother and father. They may live long in the land. Teaching submission and obedience. And ultimately, not only to your family, to your mother and your father, but to God. And so the importance of this verse and to think about it in those ways, I think adds a little gravitas, especially when you talk about that we put in outer, utter darkness, the darkness of dark mm -hmm. and this kind of this casting out. And I mean, you just bring that illustration of even as the new Testament talks about hell being dark, pitch dark, devoid of God's presence and his good graces there. Yeah. 
Yeah, Mike and I have talked about in the new year uh, doing a show, doing a series on parenting. Uh, and I think that will be something that we're kind of working, going to work through and, and, and um, bring out and put out. And I think it'll be a good for us to look at that because as parents, you, you have the responsibility to raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Now, obviously, those who don't know the Lord don't desire to do those things. And so they don't have that concern or care for godly wisdom in raising their kids. I'm not saying that there are unbelieving parents that don't seek to raise their children properly or with good morals, because it does happen. Um, my wife, years ago, when she was doing cleaning, she cleaned for a Mormon family. And she would come home sometimes and be like, man, those kids are so polite. Like, our kids aren't even that polite, right? <laughs> and, and we're Christians, and they're Mormons, but it's all about morals, moralistics. You know, that's how they live. But that can't save you. You have to come to faith in Christ. But we see this, this honoring of your parents all throughout Scripture. I think God gives us these three forms of government when we look at the family. We look at the, the, the government that is over us civilly. And we look at the government we see within the church to govern its people. But that family is so important. And we live in a society, as Mike said, that it's, it's degraded. It's put down. It's, it's, it's where you don't see fathers in the homes. And so then when you don't have fathers in the homes, you have children being raised without any concern of authority and without any concern for God's word. And so it's very important. All right, uh, let's move on to verse 22. Uh, and, and Ed, we'll come back to you again. Uh, 21. Tw oh, 21, I'm sorry. 21. 21. Yeah, 21. Uh, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. It's kind of like the proverb we have already went went over here in, uh, what, which one was that? Um, 20. No, no, not 20. 17. It says, it's gained, uh, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward in his mouth is gravel. So we're seeing kind of the same thing play out. It's inheritance that's gained unlawfully in the beginning. It says hastily, uh, will not be blessed in the end. Go ahead, Ed. <clears throat> yeah. And we, we this, but it's amazing as you take the time and walk through these proverbs, you really see how biblical wisdom is counter to the wisdom that's within our, within our culture. Mm -hmm. Because this one by itself, everybody wants what's theirs and they want it now. You know, uh, even if you use the imagery of, of sports, you know, everybody believes that they ought to be a starter today, you know, or that idea of you have to pay your dues first. All, all those ideas and imagery is coming from this particular text because we prematurely want things before their time, you know, and, and maybe this is why the ancient culture were, were able to grasp and apply these particular proverbs because many of them being farmers, they knew the principle that you, you can't pull the, you can't pull the plant before it has fully matured. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't pluck the grains before they, they begin to bud or the figs before they begin to bud. They had to wait 
and and allow things to mature as they ought to. And, and so us as sons and daughters of God, he's calling us to maturity. And so we need to really be applying this. And, and like you said, really need to be taking this to heart because this is stated over and over and over again. This is why those Proverbs that we just talked about, we need to be consulting with other and more wiser people. Mm -hmm. You know, Solomon, uh, and I forget uh, where this was at in the scripture, but Solomon had to face his dilemma. Either follow the wisdom and the counsel of the immature or that of the mature. You know? And so we all find ourselves wanting what is unjustly ours. And last scripture that I'll reference is Luke, Luke 15. We all know the story about the prodigal son. You know, he ended up with a face full of gravel. Mm -hmm. Because he got his inheritance too soon, too early, and end up literally losing absolutely everything. So we need to stay away from people who will be leading us to make immature and premature decisions, respect and honor. And again, I'm trying to include some of the other Proverbs here. Respect and honor our parents who are much more wiser than we are, who are trying to give us direction in life and not try to get what we believe to be ours ahead of time and wait on God. Allow that structure and that wisdom and that guidance that comes growing in Christ so that we can have a blessed life and we can live wisely. Yeah. Something that comes to mind as you was, you was uh, speaking there, Ed, is I'm thinking of that where you gave us the, uh, the prodigal son and I heard a sermon once before where a man basically was saying that by doing that, by saying, I want your inheritance now, not wanting to wait for it, he was basically, in a sense, cursing his father, saying, I wish you were dead so I can have my inheritance. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes into that last one we just talked about, this mm -hmm. cursing your father and your mother. Go and die. I want my inheritance. I want that money now, right? And then he goes off and squanders it. Then we see the grace of God pictured in this where he receives him back and so Absolutely. it's it's interesting mike mm -hmm. go ahead yeah just kind of putting this out there obviously we don't know the mind of solomon but how much is he reminded of his brother adsum who tried to take the kingdom from david mm. and faced the the kind of the yeah. curse of doing it getting killed trying to battling his father's house and the now the king, now Solomon benefits as the receiver of the kingdom. And to, you know, you so even in Solomon's life, he's writing this wisdom that he's gathered. How much is he remembering what has happened in his own lifetime with mm -hmm. his own family? And thinking of, thinking kind of all about that. And even kind of as a counterexample, Abraham, who waited for his inheritance. He never got to see his inheritance of a great nation and how he is blessed and to kind of see what it means to be one who is faithful to the end and not trying to gain hastily. And his name is made great among all the nations. Yeah. 
All right, now we are in verse 22. And, and again, we'll stay, we'll keep coming to you first, uh, Ed, because of that delay um, that, that we have here. So it says, do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. And it's interesting because the King James says, say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. And every time when I, I see that in the King James, and I, and I bring this up because every time I hear recompense, which is a King James word, I think of the Hebrew Israelites and uh, because they use that all the time about the recompense, <laughs> but but that's what it says. And um, as was mentioned uh, up there in Detroit, uh, the guys are putting on a, a conference, apologetics conference there, and we will put those show notes in it and uh, deals with those Hebrew Israelites. But go ahead, uh, verse twenty-two there, Ed. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, look, looking at this. And, and one of the things that I did to kind of help me try to wrap my wrap my mind around verses 16 through 20, I kind of broke them up into three categories. And so this particular category is, is really this wisdom is really shifting uh, the, the way the way that I was kind of looking at it. Um, wisdom for both uh, human and divine judgment. And so we're, we're moving to this idea um, kind of. If you, if you think about where, again, our culture is now, social justice, social activism, uh, all, all these different types of, of concepts. And one of the things that when I was looking at this particular section, I, I was thinking, wow, where would the body of Christ be if we could collectively come together on this proverb, right? So we realize here that the immediate implication from this particular proverb shows us that inherently we naturally want revenge. That that is that's not a question. That that's a natural reaction. That's a natural desire. We want revenge. We we want justice from when people have done us wrong, right? Uh, when we were younger. Uh, we talked about uh, getting my lick back because they got me. I got to get them. Mm -hmm. You know, you grow up and and you hear cliches like I got to I'm going to get my pound of flesh from that particular person. So we as believers, we have to understand that this is ingrained within us and we need the wisdom from the scriptures to come about and transform the way that we think because there are a real atrocities that we face as humans within this world. And we want vengeance. Out here clearly says that he will avenge all evil. Mm -hmm. That's social evil. That's political evil. That's all forms of evil. God is going to avenge it. And one of the things that I love about this particular text, it al almost reminds me uh, of the gospel. Because regardless of how bad things are, there's good news. Mm -hmm. The good news is that he is going to rescue us. And, and so I'm looking at that. And, and so let me share this final thing. And then I, I'll let you brothers comment. Because I was thinking about, again, we as the body of Christ. How, how can we, coming from different cultures, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different upbringings, how can we bring about the justice that we so 
that we so long to see enacted in our world and society. And, and the idea, that idea in the text of waiting says to us that we have to be bonded together in one community. And that's ultimately and truly the family of God. We have to be bond, bonded together in one community. We need to be like-minded. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to enact justice when I have a message of righteousness that comes from Christ and somebody else has a righteousness that comes from their community. And so we won't we won't go any further down that rabbit hole. But um, when social justice comes into play, it normally sets forth a rift in the, our community as believers instead of bringing us together. And so if, if we want to see this type of justice that this text is talking about, we really need to be bonded together. We need to be a one collective group of people, like-minded, and we must be patient. Wait on the Lord. The Bible says, again, I say, wait on the Lord. He will rescue us, and he will bring us justice and righteousness. Yeah. And I think it's it's hard for us in society. As you said, it's it's already ingrained into us as we're totally depraved by nature. We are sinners by our very nature. So we have this depravity, but it's an ingrained in us. And then even with the the last verse, we want we want things to happen quickly. We want them uh you know, we, we live in a society where we mentioned phones. We can pick up and get all this stuff, the access right there, right now. We can go to fast food restaurants and get it right here, right now. We live in this kind of mentality. And so we want a justice for the evil. If somebody does me wrong, I want revenge right now. But as Christians, the wisdom of God says, God will repay. It's Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And so... It's good advice for us to take from the Word of God there, Mike. Yeah, I mean, Romans 13, 7 through 21. Repay no one for evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's a quote from Deuteronomy. To the contrary, mm -hmm. if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Yes, For by uh, doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see in First Thessalonians 4.16, that no one trespasses or wrong his brothers in this matter, because the Lord is avenger in all things, as we have told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. The New Testament brings out how we are to act in this case. In one sense, we can say Paul is drawing on the proverb. The Lord will be vengeance. The Lord will take care of his people. He will judge the people who come against his church. The vengeance is his. We are called to love them. We are called to live peaceable by them. We are to act like God is, who is long-suffering, who gives good gifts even to bad people. As long as they have breath to life, we are to act like our Lord and let the Lord, the just judge of all the earth, who knows all things, who searches the deeps of the people, to do what is right and to judge. Amen. 
All right, verse 23, unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales you, you are. Know, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to get one comforting thought. Uh, Mike gave some excellent scriptures uh, that, that I hope people were taking note of. Genesis 18, 25 also, will not the judge of the whole earth, will he not judge rightly? We can rest in comfort, not only in that idea, but also everything that Mike shared um, with the audience as well. Yeah. Amen. So verse 23 says, unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales are not good. Now, if you was with us last week, you know that this is also repeated in this chapter. Um, and so this is this idea that people are taking in this time, they would weigh things and they would manipulate the scales to their favor which kind of goes with some of the things that we talked about earlier, people being like gaining their wealth deceitfully. And, 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 and it's, it's amazing because again, the Proverbs, they're repeating things over and over again. Um, but we'll try to keep this brief. We did make an hour, but we're going over. So uh, we got about seven more <laughs> verses here. Um, but uh, yeah, verse 23, Ed, what do we got? Uh, uh, man. Yeah, we, we had that hour and we, we, we were right there. <laughs> but um, and y'all did a great job, too, uh, on, on, with this last week. So let me just simply add to that uh, in two ways. Number one, the, the person who has been defrauded. Again, I'm trying to piggyback and connect the previous verse. But that person who has been defrauded, who the reality is they have been swindled or connived or been schemed or been swindled or dealt partially, know that their good and gracious Father, as Mike said, who gives good gifts, he knows all things, and he is going to enact vengeance on them. Why? Because he, he is completely detested with that type of behavior, right? He, he uh, I think King James uses uh, abomination. Uh, I've forget how the ESV just used it there. But um, this, this is one of those old school. Uh, these are the things that the Lord hates. He hates these people who have these differing of ways, these unjust scales, this, these, these, these behavior and this attitude um, that, as James said, sets people above other people and just really is always looking at things in that particular way. When God is not a God of partiality, God is a God of righteousness and justice. God, God is a God who is on the side of the oppressed. He is not the oppressor, but he is on the side of the oppressed and he rescues or delivers those who are being oppressed. And so we ought to take comfort. Secondly, we ought to take comfort in knowing that this is where God stands. This is his mindset. This is his attitude. This is his heart. And it also ought to be the heart of those who follow him and, and proclaim their allegiance unto Christ. Yeah. Mike, is there anything you want to add or? Just when we think about why this is an abomination to the Lord, um, it's because it's against his nature. God is one who does not deceive. God is one who honors truth, loves truth, is truth. And when we have unlegal weights or false scales in which we are being deceptive to try to, we put ourselves first, we're not loving the person on the other side. 
We only mm-hmm. care about ourselves at the expense of the person. Again, that's not what God loves. God loves his people to act justly and rightly in all that they do to have integrity because he is one who acts rightly and justly and has integrity. And it calls us to the same thing. So if this is the people um, sorry, the shower just turned on upstairs. I realize it's maybe kind of loud. Sorry about that. Um, but that the uncle weights are again, kind of a theft, a stealing, lying, deceitful. And that's what makes it so heinous. Yeah. I was wondering what that was. It sounded like a, an airplane going over, but that's all right. It's all good. It's happens. It's real life with real conversations and real people. That's G220 radio. That's right. That's right. All right. And, and, and hey, Go ahead. I, I just want to say, I want to say, to Mike, I appreciate walking through uh, these proverbs. And it's been very strong language used within the text. We, we've been trying to communicate that how strong this language is. And he mentioned that this lifestyle, if you will, is heinous. I don't I don't know how many strong more stronger adjectives that we can come up with mm-hmm. where I, I hope those who are watching truly examine themselves because these proverbs are providing us wisdom where whereby if we examine ourselves, we can truly know if we are of the faith. And so mm-hmm. my, Mike spoke very strongly how how God is just disdained with that type of attitude and behave i just hope people catch that connection with those verses yeah all right so verse 24 the title and steps are from the lord how then can he can can man understand his ways uh ed yeah so isaiah 55 8 9 god's ways are higher than our ways it's thought to uh higher than our thoughts comes to mind when I think about this particular proverb. Um, I like the way it's translated in the New Living Translation also. It says that the Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? It's literally pressing us as believers to walk by faith and not by sight. Trusting in God and realizing that he is in total control psalms 37 and 23 a person's steps are established by the lord and he takes pleasure in his way and a a very famous text of scripture that normally gets misused uh so often where it says that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love god and who are called according to his purposes so we, we really need to take comfort in how God is guiding and governing our lives, even through the ups and downs, even through the mishaps, the trials, the ebbs and flows, the roller coaster ride that is this thing of life. Understand that God is sovereign in total control and he makes no mistakes. Uh, so th- th- that proverb was really a blessing and encouraged me to remind me to walk by faith and not by sight to accept that God is in control 
And I believe that when we do that, the wisdom that comes from that is truly a liberating word of wisdom that tells us that God is directed me so that I can trust in the path in which I am going in. Amen. Yeah. I mean, it just highlights God's providence in our life. I mean, how many of us providence, can yeah. say that where we at now is where we would have brought ourselves. And yet when we look back, we see how God moved in our lives, how he preserved and governing us mm -hmm. in the way we go. I mean, I think of Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret, secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. You know, as pastor Ed was saying, there is a faithfulness in walking and trusting in God's providence that his goodness will shine upon us, that we can trust him to do what is right in our lives, to bring us and as Christians, to bring us closer and in line with the Savior and to walk in that way. And so this verse really highlights just God's providence in our life and that we can't understand it. I mean, that's the answer to the question. How then can man understand his ways? They can't. We can't understand his ways. So there has to be that trusting reliance in God's providence and on who God is and that what he does will be for our benefit. Yeah, I think we, we've we've mentioned it before that the, the Lord directs the steps of the kings. The Lord directs the steps of all people. As we see, a man's steps Absolutely. are from the Lord. And it, it, it reminds me, again, as I was listening to a podcast today, I was listening to White Horse Inn. And they, one of the guys on, one of the guests, I'm way behind, so I'm, I'm like going through them. And one of the guys said he wanted this position really badly. And it would have took him to another state or whatever, but he ended up not getting it. He had all this degree for teaching and everything, but he did not get this position. The bartender in town ended up applying for this job and he got the position and got to go to this other, you know, place to live and, and to, to do this job. But he says, as I look at that though, if I would have went, I wouldn't have met my wife and have the kids that I have now because by me not going there, I then just after that, I ended up meeting my wife, right? And so we don't think about those things sometimes when things are happening in life. But as you mentioned, that providence of God that he's directing our steps, there's a way in which he wants us to go or, or a way in which he's directing us to go. And he's sovereign over that, you know? All right, so moving on to verse 25, 25. Uh, Ed, are you still with us? We may have lost Pastor Ed. Um, maybe I'll shoot him something and let him know. Ed, are you with us? All right, well, well, we'll go on. Verse 25 here. Um, it is a snare to say rashly it is holy and to reflect only after making vows. And the NLT says it like this, and I think it helps us to kind of understand what's being said. In verse 25, it says, uh, do not or don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. So 
I mean, I think we've all been in this situation, if we're being honest, where we say, Lord, get me out of this right now or help me in this situation and I'll do this for you. But you really didn't count the cost of doing these things and you just, you know, rashly. I was the... I lost you for a second, but I'm back. Yeah, yeah. You, you, we hastily make this decision. Uh, we're working on verse 25, if there's anything you want to um, say about that one. Go ahead, Mike. So I'm reminded of Ananias and Sapphira and an X about them making and what seems at least textually a rash decision to sell a plot of land and give it to the church, but they wanted to keep part of it back, which they're allowed to do. It's their property. They, but because they made the vow and then lied about saying it is what they sold. We saw God's, you see God's judgment on them. I think it, it really, kind of as you hit it, to think about our oaths, to think about what we say and not to speak rashly, to have kind of, in one sense, self-control in our speech, that we do not make oaths that we cannot uphold or maybe will not uphold. And just kind of having that that self-control to think about the situation and to act wisely um, in those situations. Yeah. All right. So while we work to see if we can get uh, Ed back in here, uh, Ed, are you with us? No, we're un unable to hear him. So we'll go ahead and move on to verse 26 and uh, while we try to work that out as well. It says, a wise kid king winnows the wicked and drives the wheel over them. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week. Winnows has this idea of spreading out. Um, we can probably look, I go back to Romans and see kind of Romans 13 and God's role in the government and what the king is supposed to do, what a government is supposed to do. And when we think about it, a wise king, a good king, sp spreads the wicked. It, it destroys them. It pushes them out in a way, drives them, drives a wheel over them. This idea of kind of killing them, running them over. And so I think, and kind of, not can go back to last week's show to kind of understand it, what we have there. But again, just having understanding that our leaders are representing God and a wise king punishes evil. It creates a justful society. And as Christians, and kind of in the fact that we have a say in our government here in America, and understanding the the honor and privilege and duty that is there is that comes with it should be ones who reflect on what is a wise king or in our context a president a senator mayor whatever that may be at the different levels of our government and to look for the ones who will act justly to spread the evil because mm -hmm. 
the ultimate wise king, Christ, when he comes, he will winnow the wicked. He will bring judgment on the wicked. He will drive the wheel over them, and they will stand before God when that is over with and will face God's judgment. And so here the king is to act in one sense, how the heavenly king will act when he comes in the day of judgment. Yeah. And I believe we have Pastor Ed back with us. Um, still trying to work that out there. But Ed, are you are you with us? He's invisible. Yeah, he's invisible. For you in the audio. <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll go ahead. I don't know, wait, here, maybe coming. There's a bit of a lag, and, and I was going to make the joke earlier, you know, being from Ohio and him in Michigan. It's just probably the the way it is as far as Am Michigan internet up? goes. No, you're good now. You're good now. Can you hear me? Maybe it's not working. Maybe it's demons. Could be. I don't like all Bear with us. This is um, sometimes technical difficulties here. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was making a little joke there about Michigan, Ohio. Maybe it's the Michigan internet. What what scripture? Well, we are. um, I had to leave out and come back in. Yeah, we we came. Yeah, we we went through 25 and 26, uh, and then we're going to go to 27. If there's anything you want to add to those 25 and 26, go ahead now. And then actually, you can read 27, and you can give your thoughts on that one too. Trying to give it some time there to see if maybe it's okay. So, um, all right, I'll just add briefly. Um, if I oh, we lost him again. Oh, it's that Michigan internet. Now it's all in good fun, good jokes, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, yeah, so. But anyways, to, Mike, we, we'll go ahead. Go ahead. I was, so I was trying to start that out early by saying the land up north, but because I know it's like an Ohio State thing, so I don't care about Ohio State. Yeah, yeah Mike, Mike's from Louisiana. Nope, just kidding. It's from Louisville. Or is it in Louisville? It's like Louisiana. It's hot down there. It's muggy. No, just kidding. All right, well, it's a little strange. I'm trying to fill it in here. Like, what are we doing? Because, keep going. you know, technical difficulties do happen. Uh, we'll go ahead and go to verse 27. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. And hopefully Ed will get back in when he, when he uh, figures that out on his end. But go ahead, Mike. So, yeah, the, the word spirit here, it's one of those ambiguous words. Um, ESV notes that it could be the breath of a man is the lamp of God. Kind of the idea and focus is that 
the spirit of man illuminates and lights up is the light of God. It illuminates them. It's there. And it, it searches all of his innermost parts mm-hmm. and just kind of bringing us that understanding that the Lord knows all that the spirit, the breath of the man brings about kind of his innermost and that the Lord as, as the lamp, as it illuminates and searches all of his inner parts and knows all, all of our thoughts, he knows everything and we can't hide. Like there's the boys and girls catechism says nothing can be hidden from God. He knows all of our inner thoughts or inner desires. And we may, we may not express them, but the proverb tells us that God knows. Yeah. And we should act accordingly that God knows when we use unjust weights, even if the other person doesn't, God knows when we curse a mother and father, even though others may not, God knows. And that should be fearful. Mm -hmm. All right. I think we have uh, Ed back with us here. Can you hear us? Yeah, I I can hear you. Can you hear me a little better now? Oh yeah. Yeah. Much, much better. So, (laughs) um, Well, those technical difficulties are really oh, doing something man. tonight. So, anyways, maybe I'm just gonna throw maybe, that maybe out the internet, maybe, maybe the internet thing. I'm a Michigan State fan or something. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying <laughs> earlier. But yeah, anyways, yeah. we apologize for the inconvenience. Uh, you know, technical difficulties do happen. Uh, me and Mike have experienced them the last couple of weeks ourselves, and so we're gonna try to continue and push on through this. Um, Ed, we, 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 we just wrapped up. Mike did on 27. But if you have any thoughts or uh, comments you want to give from 25, 26, and 27, and then if you can, go ahead and read 28 once you've given those thoughts, and we'll, we'll pick up from there. Okay. Um, just if you will, maybe even just as a, as a simple, quick uh, summary, uh, and I was trying to make the statement before, uh, us to just be – the, the wisdom here is if we would just be good stewards over the things that God has given us, um, being good stewards gives us uh, a space to say no, uh, to say, I don't know the space to say, let me think about it. That way we don't make rash decisions or, uh, or, or decisions too quickly. I, I think that Proverbs was trying to teach us there. And so I think it, being good steward helps us to be wise uh, as 26 talks about that king who separates out the wicked and drives out, uh, drives out the threshing wheel over them. Um, that type of wisdom allows us to really be the people that God desires and, and, and wants us to be as we follow him. And on, on verse 27, it was really, that was a very interesting text that, um, again, I, I hate that I missed, uh, commentary there um but it is god who gives life again this social order that that we find ourselves in is really unfortunate because we we miss the giver of all life uh god is the one again who snuffs out the light in the lamp but who also gives the light to the lamp 
And so these really these proverbs have really been very encouraging to me personally, uh, because as a citizen of the kingdom of God, I know now how to conduct myself as a son and daughter of God. So verse 28, correct? Yes. Verse verse 28. And, and I'll read it from the CSB, if that's OK. Yeah, that's fine. Verse 28 says loyalty and faithfulness guard a king. Through loyalty, he maintains his throne. So loyalty and faithfulness, they they guard a king. And through loyalty, he maintains his throne. Very interesting proverb there that literally speaks to that, that idea and concept of us being faithful. And us even bringing stability, and, and this is one of the things I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, us as believers bringing stability to our culture by enacting what this king in this particular text was, was, just, um, was just talking about, how he separates out the wicked, separates the good from the bad, and he, he does this through, through wisdom. He, he does this through the faithfulness and loyalty. He is, he is guarded or supported on this particular foundation. And so that's just encouraging, encouraging to me. Um, verse 28, really emphasizing loyalty or being steadfast, this, this idea of allegiance. And so I think if we pause and meditate on this particular proverb and ask ourselves about our loyalty and our faithfulness, what's the foundation in which we are living upon or we are sustaining or maintaining our own lives, I think it'll go a long way for us to apply to our life and really help us as we move forward as believers. Mm -hmm. Mike, yeah, I'm kind of reminded of First Peter two thirteen. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be emperors or supremes, or to governors as sent by Him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And you see, kind of that um, compression on verses twenty six and twenty um twenty eight about what the king is to do, kind of in the middle showing us that God knows all things about a person and searching and enlighten how a king preserves his, um, his lands. And we're called to, to honor him in his place, but that here a king. And I think you can even talk about us as Christians, as managers or as parents, that it's the steadfast love and faithfulness that brings about the long reign that brings about kind of helping. And in one sense that showing the King showing steadfast love and faithfulness to his people, establish him and bring um, faithfulness brings um, flourishing people grow and Having that and thinking through 
what does it mean as a Christian to honor the king that the Lord may preserve this hopefully wise king, this good king in his endeavors and what he does and to, to think about kind of our role with our role within the society we find ourselves into. We're called to honor them and to, to see them in, and in um, first Timothy, the idea of, kind of honoring them that God may be able to save them. We see this in the early church. What did he really think about what establishes a kingdom and how can we honor the king, honor our government, the institutions we're given that's over authority to us, that it may preserve them? Yeah. And when you ultimately think of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, um, God himself, who, when you think of this steadfast love and faithfulness, um, you read from the CSB and it said loyalty. King James says mercy and truth preserve the king. And you look at all these different words these translations use, but these are all words that are truths of God. And when you think about it, Psalm 40, 11 says, as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. And so we look at here the Proverbs saying steadfast love, faithfulness, or loyalty and faithfulness will preserve the king. And by steadfast love, his throne will, or loyalty throne will be upheld. But we also look at this, it is God who is all these things and he's preserving, he's upholding us. When we look at that. It just it's a uh, it's it's amazing when you think of the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the steadfast love of God and his faithfulness and how he preserves us. He upholds us, you know, as his believers. All right, we have two more verses and um then we'll, we'll wrap this up. I know it's been a little long uh longer than normally. Um well not really. I think we go about an hour and a half anyway. But uh but we do appreciate the time of uh Ed and um sticking in here with us. All right, so the last two verses we got here, verse 29, uh, and Ed will come to you again first, and then Mike. Uh, the, glory of young, the glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Uh, King James loves to say hoary hair. I, I like that one, but, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I'll just say quickly, look, looking at the time, this remind me, remind me as a New Covenant believer of Titus 2. How, how the grave men ought to uh, be instructing wisdom to the younger men. And so th this verse, again, points to community. It points to us coming together as one. It, it comes, it, it talks about or enlists us, enlists us to really, and this is one of the things, I, gentlemen, I practice here at, at New Community. We're starting a uh, men's group. Uh, on the 10th next week. And uh, one of the things I wanted our senior elders, you know, as, as this text says, those with that gray hair, I try to say to them, we need you here mm -hmm. because you have a life experience that we have yet to experience. You walk down roads that we haven't walked down. We, we need you present in these particular groups. So as we're trying to get some of our young teenagers and, and some young adults, we're trying to get these 
the the generations together, we need as the text here just talked about, we need the the young men for their strength and the the older men for their wisdom. Mm-hmm. We we need that combination within the community of faith. I believe yeah. that is so vitally important for the church of God to advance the kingdom of God in this day and in this hour that we have both our seniors and our young people together walking in lockstep, trying their best to serve the Lord. And so I love this particular text for that reason. It puts me in the mind of Titus too. Amen. Mike. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, there's honor and work. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks and it's the glory of young men and the strength that they have, that they can go, they can work, they can continue the work that the splendor of the old men laid before them mm. and, and kind of cultivating and then gain the wisdom from those men, as we've read in other texts and Proverbs, to, to guide them in their work and to lead them and to advance and to, to think about the – this kind of rotation in life in which we are strong and kind of in one sense, unwise, immature, and then we're weak and mature training the strong and unwise mm-hmm. and that kind of continual path going through and to understand kind of the importance of work and diligence, which is passed on from generation to generation. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And we, we've talked about it on the show before. I'll keep trying to keep this brief, but, um, you know, we're not saying anything against the churches that separate for different Sunday school classes and, and whatnot by age groups, but there is a beauty in having that body together where those young, younger men, younger women can learn from them, older men and older women within their church. And they can see that how they're worshiping and how they're living out their lives and how they're, they're living out their marriages and their, with their children. And so it's, it's this way in which God has designed us in that community, in that fellowship of the body of Christ, where you're able to gain and learn from one another and and so it's it's a beautiful thing. Go ahead. I just want to add one thing real real quick because when we when we look at our communities, uh, the community in which y'all serve in, the community in which I serve in, a lot of times again, this proverb is countercultural because sometimes they say, "Old oh, man, you can't tell me nothing," mm. or "Old oh, man, you don't you don't understand what I'm going through." This ain't the olden days, and it's amazing that this gray hair. There's a beauty in this symbolism. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those with gray hair used to be looked upon for guidance. Again, going back to some of those older proverbs. So I really would encourage every believer watching this particular program to really cling unto that older man, that older woman, because that gray hair, according to scripture, really symbolized beauty and it symbolized wisdom. And even looking at you, uh, uh, Ricky, you have that streak of beauty upon your face. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I got one. I got one hair somewhere. Here it is. It's coming. 
Don't die. It is coming. <laughs> See, I don't have any on my head, so I have to I have to let it grow in my beard, and that's why I don't shave it. So, <laughs> all right, here we go. Verse uh, thirty uh, blows the wound. Mike, you did speak on that one, right? Too. Yeah, yeah, you did on twenty nine, yeah. right? Okay, sorry. Uh, verse thirty. We'll close it out here. Blows the wound, cleanse away. Blows the wound, cleanse away evil, strokes make clean the innermost part. Man, I'm reading the ESV tonight like I was reading the King James. I'm, I'm really struggling <laughs> with it. <laughs> Maybe it's just a particular part of the, the verse or the chapter. But it says, blows the wound, cleanse away evil, strokes make clean the innermost parts. Let me look over here at the uh, New Living Translation and see what it says here. It says, physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such dis discipline purifies the heart. Uh, the the CSB says, uh, the page here, lashes, and, uh, wounds, lashes and wounds purge away evil and beatings cleanse the innermost parts. And so this is what's being conveyed here. Again, uh, Pastor Ed will come to you first and then Mike will come to you to wrap it up. And, and, and just to kind of make this quick, I, I think if we take collectively uh, the, the verses 16 through 30 or verses 16 through 29 and the collective thoughts that we've shared here together. Uh, this wisdom is what purges away evil from our lives. Mm -hmm. Th this wisdom that is amazing. When you take Proverbs, you say, read a proverb a day. It is amazing what that simple discipline and principle would do in every believer's life. It, it would literally purge away evil and cleanse the innermost parts. And, mm -hmm. and I believe, just to sum it up briefly, these verses will do that to the life of the believer if they would just simply apply the wisdom from that which we have read tonight. Yeah, amen. Mike? Yeah, I mean, we look at discipline and the points of discipline in young children. My kids are happier when I discipline them, the evil goes away. Society is better when the government punishes the evil, the evildoers that have broken the laws that cause dysfunction and chaos. And the Lord disciplines those whom he loves mm -hmm. to, to correct them and to bring them into the proper way to act. I think when we think about discipline in all different levels of our lives, there is punishments stink. They're hard. They hurt. And that's the point because it's that, that pain that hurts that reminds us on what we should be doing. Right. It cleanses, it cleans the, the outward punishment changes who we are kind of on the inside, when we accept it as the punishment and its intended duty. Now, if we harden our hearts against it and we rebel, it's not going to do those things. So there is a element of us understanding that these are tools that God has given different levels of society to help us to live in accordance to his laws his commandments and he does the same thing yeah amen 
Well, that has been Proverbs chapter 20 wrapped up here, uh, verses 16 through 30 tonight. Uh, we did go a little longer than normally. I thank you, those who stayed with us and tuned in, even through some te technical difficulties uh, as we worked through those. Um, so much to gain from the wisdom of God, from his, his, his word. And so we do encourage you to be in the word of God, hide his word in your heart that you might not sin against him as Christians. His word is changing us and it is working in us as God is shaping, shaping us into more conformity to be like Christ. And that is what we are. We're followers of Christ and we want to be Christ-like. Though we fail and we fail often, his word is continuing to work in us and do that work through us. And so I, I encourage you to stay in the word of God. Uh, Ed, uh, we thank you for coming on the program. I uh, really do appreciate you sticking with us for an hour and 40 minutes and working through this, this proverb. Any last thoughts on the book of Proverbs, uh, on what we've covered, or anything you'd like to leave the listeners with uh, before we wrap up the program? No, nothing other than what you just said, man. Hide this, hide this wisdom. So I, I use that language. Hide this wisdom in your heart. I think that's the goal, uh, may, maybe even an unattended goal from when y'all uh, started with Proverbs chapter one. But if we would just hide this wisdom in our hearts, then we can really live out the life that God has called us to live out. So I, I just believe you with that and appreciate both you and Mike uh, for, for bringing me on and allowing me to share uh, on this particular platform. Thank God for both of you and thank God for G220. Well, thank you. We, we appreciate you coming on. That's been G24 tonight. Uh, until next week, God bless.